You're listening to Wholesaling Inc. episode number 498. I realized even in my small market, there's way more than enough deals to go around. I ran some numbers and my goal was to go three deals a month into five. And for me to do three deals a month, I need 0.18% of the market share here. Like a ridiculously small number. Yeah. And in what other business do you need that small of a market share to be profitable? This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. You're listening to another episode here at Wholesaling Inc. My name is Cody Hoffine, and I'll be hosting today's podcast episode. For all you new people listening today, first and foremost, welcome. But second of all, this is going to inspire you. This is going to give you some action items on what you can do because I'm very serious when I tell you this. Today's guest is going to share a way that he did a deal that I am very, very confident that every single one of you listening today can implement and be able to do. It didn't require money. It didn't require having all this time in the world. It was just very specific things that he did to get this deal. So get out a piece of paper, get out a pen, get ready to jot down some gold nuggets, jot down the action items and act upon what you hear today. But what our guest is going to share with you because this was a big deal. Like we're going to talk about it. I don't want to share the numbers yet. He's going to do that. But today we have Jared Frankum from Lubbock, Texas. And here's the cool thing, guys. He lives in a town that has about a quarter million in population. Now, a lot of people be like, oh man, it's tough to do deals there. He's done 12 deals over the last, let's call it last little over a year, little over 12 months now. He's done 12 deals, is doing just fine in what people would say is a small town, right? He's six hours away from any major city. And we're going to break this down right now. So Jared Franken, my man, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on here. Well, the honor is all ours. And we're so excited that you're on here. I love the fact that you're six hours away from a major city. You're in a little college town. And you're making deals happen. This is going to help make people believers that when they call me and say, oh, man, but I don't know if I can do deals where I'm at. I only have 200,000 people that live by me. You can be like, oh, this podcast is for you guys. Yeah. Talk to us. Tell us a little bit about you and what got you into real estate in the first place. Sure. Okay. So in 2015, I had an engineering job. I got a degree in mechanical engineering, but I, I had an engineering job and was at the desk. And I was just looking for something to do while I was working. And I stumbled across Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then I found, I think I actually found Wholesaling Inc. at that time, but I wasn't too sure about it. But real estate just really caught my eye. And Mm -hmm. I started picking up books and reading just kind of casually. And I went to Bible school right after that for two years. And so I just continued to read books on real estate and listen to stuff about wholesaling, but kind of just more as an interest. And then uh, I went in 2018, I moved to Sao Paulo, Brazil to do missionary work. Nice. And I plan to move out there permanently and not come back to America. I just love Brazil so much, but my situation kind of adjusted and I had to return. So I thought, well, all this real estate stuff I've been learning, let's do it. So uh, 2019, January, I moved back here 
I moved to Lubbock. I just hit the ground running with the stuff I picked up and I started listening to the podcast like crazy. <laughs> and I think I actually really started in March. So that's when I really got my foot wow. to the pedal and started going. Well, let's start talking about this because I, I think a lot of people at the beginning stages, I, I'm curious just for even for my own, was it just real estate in general? Was it already like out of the gate? It was like, oh man, I want to do wholesaling. I knew everything about wholesaling. I want to no, do it. Or is it like, fact- I just wanted to get in real estate and this sounded like a route that would help me get in there? In fact, I was totally just looking to do traditional real estate buy and hold rentals. Mm-hmm. Like that was what I studied and what I was into. I really didn't know a whole lot about wholesaling. In fact, I thought at that time I thought wholesaling Inc. was a bunch of quacks. <laughs> I love it. I, I I love the honesty already. Yeah, but I kind of just accidentally just started doing wholesaling. I didn't even realize it at first. Thought, well, if I want to know the market, I better start driving around street by street and looking for houses. So I started driving around and started logging my stuff and thought, well, you know what? I might be able to sell some of these houses to some people who could, you know, mentor me. And then as I did my first couple of deals, I thought, man, this is awesome. I kind of want to just keep doing this for a little while. And wholesaling was what you were doing during this time, is what you're saying. Like you were just finding off market yes. properties and then turn around and selling them to people? Exactly. Exactly. I was aware of wholesaling and I wasn't sure how to start, but I had just, I listened to Bigger Pockets podcast and was just, I don't know. I didn't really know what I was doing. In fact, I was terrified the entire way. I just had something in my being that was like, you're going to do this. So get out and go. So Jared, here's the thing that I think is really valuable and gold that you're sharing is you weren't an expert. Were you no. doing this full-time or are you just doing this part-time? Like you said you had a job doing uh, oh, engineering, yeah. right? So I was doing campus ministry. Oh my gosh. As my main deal. And it's just when I had free time in the afternoons, I would, you know, drive for a few hours and upload my deals and send out my letters and just real casual. I didn't have a business mindset about it at all. It sure. Just like, I know this, people tell me this works, so I'm just going to trust the process and go for it. The first time I sent mailers, I was just blown away when someone called me. I remember calling a, a business mentor of mine and said, dude, even if I never sell a deal, I can't believe it. Someone actually called me off a postcard. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew the market is working. You believed in the process. You're getting calls. You're in real estate. Now, let's fast forward. Are you in this full time or are you still doing this part time? I am. So two weeks ago, I just transitioned to doing wholesaling full time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and not that I wanted to stop ministry, you know, and I had a a pretty big internal battle about, you know, how do I divide my time? And I realized if I chase two rabbits, I'm sure to lose them both. Yeah. But what I can do is build wholesaling to be a a business that serves me so that I can then live and give and spend my time going, you know, with ministry. So I'm still doing things with the ministry just in a, in a reduced manner so that way I can really give my time to do wholesaling. I think what's great about your mindset and where you're at is you were in ministry in the first place to just serve, give back, help individuals yeah. become better individuals. And so I, I, I know what you're talking about when you say like this internal battle. It's like here you are doing incredible, incredible things, whether that's youth, whether that's college, whether that's adults, but you're doing incredible ministry work. And now you're thinking, oh, man, now I'm going back to this, which could be a lesser. But how you're able to switch that mindset and be like, no, there's still people. I mean, there's people that right from the beginning when you're talking to seller that need your service to help them mm-hmm. to get to a better state. But then also yeah. the money you can make in real estate that you're already thinking, 
how do I give back and how am I going to make this a better place where everyone wins because I'm doing this? I realized the more that I'm doing wholesaling, focusing on the checks is becoming less and less. And it's more about meeting people and discovering their crazy situations. And then me being the only one that they've come across who's able to solve those problems. Right. And to me, that's what's so rewarding is like there's there's a great need and then being able to find a solution that totally fits them. I mean, I've had people give me huge hugs, you know, even though I've made plenty of money off of it. But otherwise, they would have been in a real big pickle. Jared, here's the cool thing. We've had people listening for years to the podcast. We have people for the first time that's learning about this through what you're saying right now. And the fact that you can get them early on talking to them, whether it's people that have been listening to years to bring them back to center and center is... This is a business about serving. This is not a business about real estate. Real estate is just a byproduct. It's simply getting in there, serving individuals that have problems, be a problem solver. And that allows you to get a home at a discount. But that's that's just a byproduct. The front end is just a very good platform to genuinely serve people at a high level. Uh Let's go right into this deal that we're going to talk about. So guys, get ready because he's going to break down a deal that he just recently did and incredible learning that came from it. These were just little things. So when we talk about, oh my gosh, they've got, Jared's got to be doing something big. There's got to be something big going on in his business. I want you to know and listen to this podcast because he's just going to share the small little details that most people miss that allowed him to win big on this deal. It wasn't any big things that he was doing. It's him consistently doing the small things that makes the difference. So Jared, let's take it right from the beginning. How did you find this lead that we're going to be talking about. This deal that we're going to be talking about, how did you come across this lead in the first place? Driving for dollars. Got in my car and went street by street. Driving for dollars, guys. This is a term that's out there. If you're new here, driving for dollars is just simply, like you said, you hop in your car and what are you looking for? You say you drive street by street. What is it that you're actually looking for when you're driving for dollars? So I'm looking for, and I have a, I'm sure I have a much broader criteria than most, but I'm looking for any sign of distress whatsoever. So if there's any peeling paint, if there's any trash in the yard, if the yard is high, if there's missing shingles. Like high grass, like the grass is unmowed when you say that? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like the unmowed lawn. Okay. If it's like they missed it for a little bit, I don't know. I just want to add it. I would rather not miss. And just a quick sidebar, actually, I had a deal at the beginning of the year that I accidentally added the wrong house. And it turned into a deal. It was totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so I just, I like to have a kind of a shotgun approach when I'm looking for houses. So I know most people think, or they, they'll say, find the worst super turds in your neighborhood or whatever. And those are great. Those are absolutely great. But I just wanted to keep opening up and just add everything I could and go through and call or get a hold of them as okay. much as I could do. And so that's, that's kind of where my sweet spot is. So you but go I, out, you drive for dollars, you find yeah. this home. And now what do you do with it? Are you looking to call the home, send a direct mail piece to? What did you do to get in contact with this homeowner? Well, with this one, it was owned by two people. And so I used the website, truepeoplesearch.com. And sometimes it it gives me some info on who it is, and sometimes it doesn't. So I, I typically try to call them directly. But in this case, it didn't give me any info. So all I had was two names. So I looked them online. I tried to find if they had social media. And sure enough, I found one of them on Facebook. And we had, of course, no mutual friends, no nothing. Like I had no <laughs> clue if they were even going to respond to me. But I just sent them a message. 
So this whole thing began with just going outside the box. You start to look for numbers. You probably didn't skip trace. It sounded just you went to this website, didn't have anything. So then you're thinking, okay, what yeah. next? You go to social in media. This, yeah, in this particular case, I didn't skip trace. Okay. Yet I had it in my system. You know what? I, I intended to skip trace it, but just in the meantime, I figured let's add this one. And I kind of, whenever I'm I'm driving, I have a, a little notebook and I'll put ones that I to me that kind of call out to me that have a lot of signals of distress mm-hmm. and I'll kind of give those a little bit more thorough approach. Like mm-hmm. I'll do this. I'll, I'll look them up online. I'll look them up on social media. I'll see what I can find. I'll look up obituaries or things like that. Yep. So this one happened to be one of those ones that I thought was uh, a little bit more worth diving into. Yes. This is, so let's share. I probably jumped the gun on this by saying the the big detail here that I think it's easy for my team or myself to even miss on this. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that over 90% of the investors would actually pass on this home and not even add it. What unique feature showed that this property could be distressed? Because it sounded like, well, tell them, tell them what, what did the house look like from the street? And then what allowed you to say, oh my gosh, yeah, I got to put this on the list. So this house, I was driving and I had stopped on a corner while I was driving. My girlfriend at the time was in, in my car with me and we were talking and we were changing some music and we were actually listening to some worship and talking about the Lord and stuff and was getting ready to start driving again. And I, I turn over and look to the side and I noticed that behind a tree, I mean, the house looked great. It looked, I mean, the yard was mowed. The trees were, were okay. It even had decorations out on the front porch still, like a little flower pot thing. Yeah. But I noticed behind a tree, like a, a, a big tree, there was, it looked like there was a hole in the roof. And so I stopped for a second. I get out and I walk over there and sure enough, there's a big hole in the roof, but it was concealed behind a tree. Yeah. And I never would have saw it if I wouldn't have stopped and paid that close attention to it. Because everything on the outside looked like, man, this home, this home's fine. Like, I'm not going to put this on list. Everything looks good. There's nothing distressed about it, but there was one key thing. Right. Hidden behind this tree was a big hole in the roof. Yeah. Yep. So you flag this, you put a star by it, and you know, this is one you want to you get a hold of. You get on Facebook, you reach out to person. What does that even begin to look like? Like, is it, is it get awkward at that point where you're like, oh man, uh, hey, this may be weird, but I mean, how do you even begin to start the conversation by Facebook Messenger? I just reached out and said, hey, I know this message is wildly out of the blue, but I just wanted to see if y'all would even consider selling this address. You know, I was just driving by and saw it, and I don't know the story. I don't, you know, I'm just nobody special. I just wanted to see if something to that effect. Yeah. I try to be as non-confrontational, non-salesy, non-smooth talker. Just, hey, I want to see if y'all want to sell it. That's fantastic. And this ended up being uh, yes, or is this something a lead you had to work over time? Or what was it? Was it like an instant yes or like over six months yes? It was, they said, yeah, we definitely want to sell it. And we've had several offers on it already. And Ooh. I'll have to get in contact. It was owned by two people. And I just got in contact with one. It was owned by a guy and girl. I just got in contact with the girl and I didn't know. So I just asked, okay, well, can you get in contact with them? Or can I get in contact? And she reached out eventually. And then I was able to get his phone number and connect over. I think it actually took a month or so of follow-ups, Yep. but they were definitely ready to sell. What was the big why that let you know they were definitely ready to sell? I mean, they told me, they said, yeah, we definitely want to sell it. And to come to find out the house had caught fire on the inside. Okay. And that's why there was a hole because something in the 
attic caught fire and burnt a hole clear clear to the roof. Wow. 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 So they definitely want to sell. They've had interest by other people. What was something unique you did that led the people to do business with you over all the other offers? Oh, I just kept contacting them. So finally, when I was able to meet with the guy who was in town, she was in like Washington or something. And he was in town. I think he he used to work for the university. And uh, so I was able to contact with him, connect. He goes, man, I've had seven other people, you know, make offers and look at it. And we want to sell. You just happened to catch me when I was ready to make something happen. Wow. So be ready, guys. Listen to this. Be the one that consistently markets, consistently is out there because people had marketed to him before, but he wasn't ready to sell. And it's he or she who's marketing is in front of them when they are ready to sell. And it just happened to be you at this point. Exactly. Big time, big time. I wasn't worried about any other competition. You know, I, I think one of the things that helps me a lot is I just, I see my competition as buddies and friends, colleagues, even helpers or whatever. Yep, and yep. I, I really just focus on my own business. You know, I don't want to measure myself according to someone else's ruler. So, you know, I thought, well, cool. I'm, I'm glad that other people are reaching out and want to help these people. But for whatever reason, I was the one that was able to connect. That's awesome. And I get to the house and he, he, he walks me through it. And the whole thing is black like a brisket, like a smoke brisket. It was smoke damage throughout the whole thing. Wow. And it was been ransacked. You know, they had got in there and got some stuff. They were out of town when the fire had happened. Uh-huh. So it looked like they took whatever valuables they could and then just kind of left it sitting there for a while. And the thing that I realized that he's seriously ready to do business is he goes, Jared, I don't even know why you're here. Look, the house just needs to be scraped and just done away with, build a new one. And so that to me was like the golden bell that realized he was ready to sell this thing because he thought it wasn't worth anything. So yeah. He had already insurance money and was just didn't want to fix it, just leave it. So ultimately, what does that do for you? What were you able to put the home under contract for? So I told him, look, if the house is pretty much gone, what I can do is I can put it under contract. Well, we could buy it for the price of land minus a little bit of demolition costs, you know, so we can get back to a raw piece of land. And he was totally cool with that. And in fact, he didn't even argue with my offer or anything, but I put it under contract for somewhere around 11K. Okay, 11K. And what is a home, the home that was before it was burnt down, if it was just in nice condition, in sellable condition, what is a home on that land worth? 160, 150, 160. Okay. So the key thing here is you got land at a deep discount, meaning this is even better. Knowing that a home has to be taken off, demoed off, people still try to try and get like for 50 cents on dollar, but it's such a niche thing that you have to get it for like 10, no more than like 20 cents on the dollar if you're going to get land. So you get this at a very deep discount. He totally oh, yeah. understands. You put it under contract. What the heck do you do with this land that has a crisp house on it? So I went, as I was going through the house, it just looked, so I had, I had uh, wholesaled a burnt house already by this point. And I knew that this house actually looked in better shape than the other one. And we were able to salvage the other one. So I had a, one of my buyers come in who's, who's one of my VIP buyers, I'd say. He, he makes decisions quick and he's good for his money. He always closes on time, those kinds of things. And uh, he went through there and said, Jared, you know, it needs probably about 50K rehab done to it. You know, depending on the price, we'd be interested. So I was able to detract, you know, from the ARV after repair value if it's all fixed up. And I looked at it and I, I was able to sell it for like 60. So I realized that there's huge potential here. Huge, huge potential here. I had a couple of buyers come in and take a look, and they were both super interested. The one guy I'd sold Burnhouse to prior, and then, then the first guy as well. 
And then ultimately, they go through this. You go through your process. What did a buyer actually buy this from you for? I think he paid like 61 on it. 61 and then 57. I, I don't remember. I, I mean, it was, it was quite some time back. Yeah, know. this is not a recent deal that he did last week. This is one of his beginning deals. So you go out there, you do this, and between 57 and 60, do you know what you made on it after everything was said and done, the closing costs and all that? Right. And so this one I double closed on. Okay. So I purchased it on a Friday, and then I sold it on a Monday, that following Monday. And then after after everything said and done, everybody got their hand in it. I cleared a little over $47,000 on it. Holy smoke off these little, well, smoke in more ways, right? We got a firehouse, but holy smoke because you had these little details add up. And Jared, you're familiar with the podcast. First and foremost, before we get going any further, I have to ring what's known as the victory bell for what is a huge, huge win. So Jared, here's the victory bell, my man. All right. So you get out there, you do 47K on this deal. And what does that do for you? Like, I want people to understand that even if this was a 10K deal, 12K deal, what does it do when you get a win and now a win this big? What does that do for your lifestyle? What does that do for your mindset? What does that do for you in general? Well, I, one, I honestly couldn't believe it. It, it absolutely altered my brain chemistry. And it, it, that moment, it, no longer was a hobby, but something I really wanted to pursue seriously. Just a little bit of backstory. Prior, prior to me moving back to Lubbock, you know, just a few months before that, I was in doing ministry work. You know, I, I made like $500 a month and I had no money to my name ever. Like prior to that year, I never had more than $2,000 to my name at all. I, you know, I had college debt. I just didn't, I didn't even comprehend what that, that kind of income was like. I mean, that's like what, almost what I'd make a whole year as an engineer. Yeah. Uh, huge. Huge, huge. And it was totally, totally a blessing from the Lord. You know, everything has to go back to, to him. You know, my business is there to serve him. And I just, I realized that that was the Lord confirming that this is a path I should go down. And as long as I continue to remain faithful to him, he'll remain faithful to me. And this is phenomenal. huge evidence of that. Well, I think what's cool about this is the fact that most people don't think you can do deals in what most people would call a small town. But then also, more importantly, if you are going to do a deal, it's going to be like a $2,000 deal or a $5,000 deal. And this absolutely is like, yeah, and that's I'm, like I'm your a, big fish. Yeah. Like this is like your well. You put well bait on and caught a well. You didn't catch a minnow. You didn't catch a fish. You caught a well oh, yeah. in a small town. Huge, huge, huge. So going forward, let's think of ribbon on the, on the package to end this. Knowing what you know today, is there anything that you would do differently if you were starting over? Or is there anything you would do the same to make sure like this worked for me? And if there's someone's listening to this, they're at the beginning stages, this worked for me. And if I went to the beginning, I'd make sure I did this again. Yeah, I would have just doubled down on looking for properties. The deal flow, I was just kind of doing it halfway and looking around. I'm sure that I missed other huge deals. In fact, I know I did. Yeah, I know I missed a deal later that year, another fat one, and I was just too late to the party. But that's okay. Like, I realized even in my small market, there's way more than enough deals to go around. I ran some numbers, and my goal was to go three deals a month into five. And for me to do three deals a month, I need 0.18 percent of the market share here, like a ridiculously small number. Yeah. And in what other business do you need that small of a market share to be profitable? I realized that there's way more than enough deals for everybody. 
and I don't have the scarcity thought. But to answer your question, I think one thing I would have done differently or even maintained doing was doubling down on looking for opportunity properties. Yeah. Because I think at the beginning stages is the crucial time to be saying this because at the beginning stages, your mind's already playing so many games with you. Almost like, will it work? Does this work? Am I good enough? Can I do this? Or is this fake? Or is this only work in big markets? Like your mind is already playing so many games with you. Oh, I know. That it's crucial to just hear, just get out there. First couple times, Uh I remember like watching money go out the window and then you know, a day or two would go by and I didn't hear anything. And then I would get so much this feeling of dread and regret. And like, Jared, you wasted all this money on mail. Like you seriously bought all those stamps or whatever. <laughs> but I just, there was something in my being that I had to keep fighting that. that Trust the process. I remember almost being to the point of tears. Like, what am I doing? Like what? Everyone sure. else has success with this, but I, I can't seem to get off the ground. But I just, I figured, man, I'm giving this a shot. And I'm not stopping until I get a deal. And I kept doing it scared. <laughs> wow. Wow. But here's the thing. I don't think courage is a lack of fear. This is the best part I think I just recently learned, probably over the past year, is courage is not the lack of fear. It's knowing and recognizing the fear, but still moving forward. Because yeah. everyone has their fears. Everyone. There's not one person on this earth that's just fearless, that just they can say, oh, man, I'm just fearless. I do whatever. There's still fears even for that individual. And courage is not, oh, it's because I have no fear. No, courage is you recognize you have fear, but you still move forward. So the fact that you're saying, listen, I was scared. I was scared to death. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I still move forward. That's courage. That's courage in its purest form. And that's something that each one of us can learn and listen to and jot down today is you move forward. There's going to be so many voices out there saying you won't be able to do it. and You're not going to make it. You're not good enough but you still move forward. Mm -hmm. Dude, I love it. Jared, what about a book? Any game-changing books? What if something you've been reading lately that you're like, oh man, this just is game-changing for me. It helps you with my mindset or helps you in any way. What's a book you would recommend to people? Oh man, Rhinoceros Success. Such a good, simple read, isn't it? Yeah, it's so simple, but I, I, I read it in like an hour. It was small, thin book, but it's so packed with these like actionable nuggets. You know, I Something that kind of gets to me on books is that there's a lot of stories and it's helpful and everything. But uh-huh. It's just a lot of quick, actionable steps. And I, that's the one I most recently read that was had a big impact on me. Yeah. That's awesome. And Scott Alexander, by the way, guys, is the, is the author of that. Super good friend of ours and just an amazing, incredible individual. And I love that book. And so simple. I had my 10. Well, he was 10 when he read it. He's now 12. Read that. And he was able to literally pull out all the gold that that we're trying to say here about this book that Jared's even sharing is even my, he broke it down so simple that my 10 year old's like, oh my gosh, I love that you do this, 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 and don't act like a cow, act like a rhino. I'm like, yeah, baby, like get, get going, man. So Jared, I want to thank you so much in wrapping up this podcast episode. I want to thank you so much for taking time in your life. I know we started even a half hour later than, than what we were originally going to. So I appreciate the accommodation to get on the podcast because what you shared sure. today is going to inspire individuals to get out there that no market's too small and no fear is too big that you can't get out there and still have success. Any final words you'd like to share with those listening today? Yeah, no, thanks a ton for having me on here. I'd like to share my uh, access details. If anyone just wants to reach out, has any questions, I don't know how I could help, but if there's any way I could provide value, I'd be totally happy to do that. Sure. So I've got Facebook and Instagram. You could find me, Jared Frankham. Um, I'm not on a whole lot, but 
it's better to reach me through a text and I'd be happy to schedule a time to call y'all or whatever. But my phone number is 806-319-5423. Fantastic. And continually yeah. serving people, not even just ones that make money, but willing to help people out there that just have questions or trying to get into the game. So Jared, I want to thank you for continuing to being a go-giver, always finding ways to serve people, help people become better individuals. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, yeah. And, so and all you've much. done today. It's been a pleasure. And those for the listening today, thank you for joining. I know you could be at work. I know you could be a family, but you had time today to listen to the podcast. I hope you took notes. And this podcast is only as good as the action you take following it. It's not something you just listen to and get all warm and fuzzy and be like, oh, man, I got to get in this real estate game. The only way to get involved to get in it is get out of your own way and actually take action. If you need help building your wholesaling business, much like Jared's, you can go over to wholesalinginc.com. You can book out a time to get on the phone with either myself or someone on my team where we can begin to just have the conversation to see if we're a good fit for one another. And if so... We'll get you to be part of the tribe and get you well on the way to doing your first deal or your next deal. And until next time, guys, keep charging forward, taking massive imperfect action and go find your next deal. Take care. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.